Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. I am your host, of course, Mike Abadir, and there is so much going on And since I've last spoken to you one week ago in the world of sports. Mo Donegal wins the Belmont. The Padres sit atop the NL West. I know that our first guest is going to have a, a bone to pick about that. Tyreek Hill says that Tua is more accurate than Mahomes. Of course, we're sitting at the uh, cusp of potential game six closeout for the Golden State Warriors. Uh, But very quickly, we'll start with the FIFA World Cup announcement. If you are in any of these cities, Vancouver, Seattle, San Francisco, L.A., Guadalajara, Kansas City, Dallas, Atlanta, Houston, Monterey, Mexico, Mexico City, Toronto, Boston, Philadelphia, Miami, or New Jersey, New York, you're going to get to host a World Cup game in 2026. Pop. My man, how are you? A lot of stuff to cover. Where do you want to start, my friend? Well, first of all, will yeah. you go to the uh, World Cup game, the one in LA that's been announced? So far, well, you know me. If That'd it's cool. free, I'll go. If it's free, if they want me to do some type, if I can get a credential somewhere where I'm be able to be it, access access, yeah, I'm there. Oh, you know you're going to get that credential already. You just need to talk about soccer a couple times in 2025, and uh, and you'll be good to go, my friend. Well, if if you know me, the last uh, okay, well, I guess we've done two in the last ten years. So pretty much, I started doing all the Twitter stuff back in about 2015. So I was able to actually get two of them in, and see, that's the only time I really pay attention to soccer is when we do the World Cup, and I've came out to be pretty good at doing it. When you say doing it, you're talking about covering it from a media perspective, correct? No, 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 no. Betting it. Oh, betting. Okay. Yeah, because, you know, and all I got to – you know, it's it's always fun to watch some game. I love when it's overseas because you can watch a game. Is it 4 o'clock in the morning? You know what I mean? Yeah. You watch a game, 2 o'clock in the morning. It's going to suck when it comes to America. It's going to be like, all right, man, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Damn. Very true, man. I love Every, that's why I like like the Australian open and stuff. Right, like I'm, I'm awake right. at midnight and I'm watching tennis, live tennis. It's pretty cool. All I can say is that I'm kind of happy that it's not going to be in my home city, Pasadena. I probably wouldn't be, uh, you know, in my home where my home and everything is at because that gets a little crazy down there. Because Pasadena is not a small city, but at the same time, they, when you have to accommodate 100,000 people, that's a lot of people in one section. Oh and man, getting in and out of, of yeah, man, getting in and out of the Rose Bowl is a pain in the ass. I hate it. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Because you, you gotta remember, you at the bottom of a mountain, and then you trying to go back up a hill to go to the freeway, and the freeway ain't nothing but two minutes away. But still, you got a hundred thousand people out there with you. You know, you know what's what's a comparable kind of in and out type of stadium in the middle of a city type thing is actually Stanford Stadium in Palo Alto. It's the Bay Area equivalent of the Rose Bowl. Not as prestigious, of course, but I'm talking about in terms of how it's set, uh, located within the city. And, yeah. man, uh, speaking of the World Cup, 
when I was a kid, we had tickets. We were going to meet all of my uh, family and friends, a bunch of us, maybe like 35, 40 of us got tickets to go to the U.S. against Egypt, actually. And um, let's just say my, my dad got off of work. We packed the car, Jamil. We went to Palo Alto. We basically did a two-and-a-half-hour drive, never got into the stadium, and then turn around and two-and-a-half-hour drive back. It was a five-hour road trip in a car without seeing a game. Mm. Missed it. Missed it. Not fun. Not fun. But I think uh, even though SoFi is, you know, kind of tucked away there in Englewood and you got uh, some traffic lights, I, I think they're going to figure out some ways to be able to uh, control the flow of traffic at least i hope so because la doesn't need any more congestion you know what i mean right well when we left so far that day i think they had about maybe 50 60 000 people at the game because the rams was undefeated going into the game anyway the game when they lost to the cardinals it was a lot of people there but they were able to get out of there in a pretty quick manner you know what i mean yeah well i think they're kind of also used to hosting more events than than most right, town, right. you know because they got right. the forum and hollywood park god right. rest its soul and and so on and so forth. So yeah, they get it. They they know they know how to make right, it work. Right. And you got four different directions you can go. You can go off Century. You can go off uh, man. It's uh, so many different ways to go. And you have to understand a lot of people don't even park at the stadium. Think about that. There's people yeah, you know on, on that street. note, I had uh, Cheryl went to the uh, Rolling Stones concert, and uh, yeah, she, she wasn't able to find an Uber home actually. It was just mm. that it was just that packed. So that's the one thing that kind of sucks. But I've experienced that going to a Rams Saints game at the uh, Coliseum. Same thing. I wasn't able to get a, uh, a rideshare home. A little bit challenging, but nonetheless, we've digressed a little bit. It is good news for the soccer world. Bring some excitement to LA in 2026. You know, to me, this is the Super Bowl of the world, really, when it comes to sports. So. Pretty cool that we're going to get a game in L.A. I rattled off a lot of cities, so it sounds like most of North America is going to have an opportunity to catch some world-class soccer. A little bit surprised that Canada didn't get more um, more dates, if you will. Uh, Mexico got a lot more than Canada did. You they know come, where the money's at, Mike. Yeah, on, man. I hear you, man. I hear come you. Those on, Canadians are just uh, they're too into think, hockey and ice fishing, I guess. Think about this, and then I think that they kind of made some mistakes. I said I wouldn't, I wouldn't have left out DC, but the DC Baltimore situation, you got to have DC Baltimore. At least you had to. They had it the first time. You know what I mean? They were all up in FedEx Stadium for that. It's so, kind of funny you, know, you say that because uh, that's nation's capital, uh, not represented. But if you live in that area and you want to catch catch a game, you could always go to, I guess, Philly or uh, New York would probably be the closest proximity wise unless you shoot south and uh, and go to the atl or something like that but yeah you make a good point man not not a lot of representation in that that part of the country you know bmore would love to host an event like that man but anyways we are a few minutes away from tip off game six now you've been you've been riding the the, the celtics pretty hot um what do you make of the first few games? You know, they came out like gangbusters since we last spoke and uh, and stole a game one victory on the road in San Francisco. Um, since then, I think the last few games, the Warriors have overall played some better basketball. What do you expect to happen? And do you think that we're going to get to a game seven? Well, I'm going to say this. I think that still the Celtics are the better team. It doesn't matter to me. 
If you look at the way that this series is working right now, okay, let's just use this for instance. Every time you get the Celtics up 15, 20 points, ball game. Warriors get up 15, 20 points. It got to be in the fourth quarter for me to be very, very comfortable with what they're doing. I think they've blown three double-digit leads in this situation. And, you know, I think that the Warriors are, are what people are used to. So they want to say, yeah, the Warriors are going to win. And the Warriors, I just really feel like their best years were when they had a healthy Eagle Dollar, where you could just be like, okay, they got this. And when they had Durant for the uh, last two, because Durant was the safety valve, in my opinion. So when he, Steph had an off night, okay, he had an off night. But the Celtics, when I looked at the box score, they had an off night overall as a team. So, you know, you got players like Gary Payton Jr. stepping up, and you had Jordan Poole have a hell of a game off the bench as well, too. And then Klay Thompson uh, – show glimpses of clay clay is still clay is pretty much clay still adequate but he's a shell of himself let's be honest let's be honest because there will be nights where he might not be scoring 25 30 points you know or hitting seven threes so i just really feel like the series went in a way to where the celtics should have won game four let's keep it real and that would have made this series 3-1 going back to golden state but what happened was is that Curry had one of those classic finals moments. And I think that he had the best performance of his career in front of a big crowd ever scoring that 43 points. Steph has never been on the big stage and had us like, wow, did you see what Steph Curry did last night? It's always been like, well, Steph hit five threes, but damn, what's the name was, was the one that brought it home for him. You know what I mean? But, the other night, Steph had a Jordan-esque, a Kobe, a, a Shaq, a, a just all the dominant players that we've seen over time in the NBA. That's what type of night he had in game four. And so that they were able to overcome the Celtics in a major way because the Celtics were, were looking good to start the fourth quarter off. And then for that last five-minute stretch, the Warriors just figured it out, and they and Curry got hot, and they were able to win the game. Now, you go back to game five, game five, the Warriors are up 16. They got comfortable and the Warrior and the Celtics came back and they didn't just come back. They went up six points. And so that's where I keep going back to the point that the Celtics, I think, have more grit to them. And we at the point to where we're in the gritty games. And I said that if we would have had the Warriors down three, two tonight. I think everybody would say, well, I think the Warriors were ready to do it because the Celtics. Are young. But the real the consensus is, is that it's over tonight. And in my Lee Corso, not so fast because I really do feel like the better team is Boston and they just came out of a scenario with the defending world champions, the Bucks, and we're down 3-2 and we're able to win in Milwaukee and then finish the series off in Boston. Then, okay, they weren't able to finish out games. They they were vice versa against Miami, but they were able to finish out the big game at the big game. So when the moment so when the game matters the most, I think the Celtics are the better team. And I think that they'll be able to win this game tonight. And then when we get to Sunday, the best team wins. You know what I mean? I'm not gonna say that the Celtics win Sunday, but I'm gonna say this that the NBA does want to stretch out 
those games a little bit more after having such a disappointing playoff because they didn't have the big box office stars, the LeBrons of the world involved. They didn't have KD go far. They didn't have the, 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 the who the talking heads love to talk about. No, no Zion. You know what I mean? It's just you went back to the boring old um, to the boring old standard of where Golden State's running through things, but we don't we we really don't know where we're going because we don't have LeBron here. You know what I mean? Because the rest of these guys, we haven't sold them enough. We sold Curry, but Curry's still not seen as not even one of the top five players when it comes to the NBA. Even though when it comes to top five winners, he's he's one of those guys. But you know, there's a lot of other guys in the NBA that do so much more than just shooting. You know what I mean? So you know. It is what it is, but when you can shoot as well as Steph, you ain't got to worry about doing all the other stuff. <laughs> you make a lot of good points, man. I uh, I see where you're coming uh, from when when you're making your case for the Celtics being a better team, more gritty team, uh, the team that can close out series, the team that can come back from behind. They probably learned a thing or two from that series against the world champ uh, Buc- uh, Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, I subscribe to everything that you're saying. Now, for a reference out there, the Celtics are a minus 3.5 point favorites for tonight's game. Tonight's game six. They are at home, so they'll be in Boston. And uh, the uh, ESPN's BPI, the Basketball Power Index, has the Boston Celtics as a 69.6% chance to win. So basically, pop. And the ESPN BPI are saying that we're going to get to a game seven. Now let's play that out. It's going to be on Sunday. It's for all the marbles. I still think that defense wins championships. So I'm going to give the edge on Sunday, assuming we get there to the Celtics. But either way, I think it's always cool when we get to a game seven in any sport where then like even – a single free throw can mean the difference between being a champion or not. Right. Right. And that's where, that's where I'm at. I just know that they want this game seven because this is what type of, this is the type of season that calls for a final game. This reminds me of a lot of when San Antonio and Detroit played in the finals and the Lakers were nowhere to be seen. The Lakers had got put out pretty early in that uh, playoff as well. You know, and then you had Detroit, who was a really boring team, but they played great defense, had a good story, things like that. Then you had San Antonio, another boring team. I'm not going to say that these teams are boring, but at the same time, when you have a team that doesn't have their solidified, you know, de facto star, because they say it's Tatum, but you can't take much. But I feel like Tatum and Brown are so equal. It just, I think they talk about Tatum more because of his obsession with Kobe Bryant. You know, Jalen Brown's not obsessed with anybody. That's the problem. Even what I'm saying he's, he doesn't talk about other players is so highly. He's trying to figure it out for himself. And that's why I like Jalen a lot, a little bit more than Jason Tatum. It feels like Jalen's trying to be a Boston legend. And it feels like Jason Tatum's just trying to be, remember, trying to be one the most popular kid in school. You know what I mean? And that's where I think that it works for him, though, in a sense as well, too. You got the guy who's very Boston, and then you got the guy who's who's Hollywood. And it works out that way because they get along well. And I said that that duo being as good as they are, when you have a duo that both guys can go for 40, yeah, that's the, that's the guys I bet on. 
You know what I mean? And I think we could possibly have the same type of game that Kyrie and LeBron had against them uh, back in 2016 where you had 41 and 41. That wasn't in game six. That was game five. But I think that this is has the possibility of happening tonight. If so, we're going to get a pretty exciting game. Yes, uh, we, we got are. a couple of uh, minutes before the commercial break, and I wanted to get a quick take from you on something. Grant Hill came out and, and made uh, some comments that got some news, uh, very newsworthy comments. He said that he feels LeBron James has gotten more attacks, vitriol comments spit his way than any other player in NBA history. Now, when I look back and I see how much America loves its superstars. I look at Michael Jordan, how much he was beloved. I go to the prior generation, to Magic Johnson and Bird, uh, the, the, the successor of, Magic, of Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, and Shaquille O'Neal. There's so many players that America has loved, they could almost do no wrong, even though, even though Jordan was the ultimate capitalist, even though Kobe was the epitome of arrogance and confidence. The ultimate even though narcissist Shaq too. has a, a sheriff license, so he is, you know, a, uh, a man of the badge. But then we get to LeBron, and I want to get your take on what's different. But because I don't want to run you short, let's take a quick commercial timeout. I set up the topic on the other side. Let's get to what it is about LeBron that brings so much controversy his way and maybe even a little bit of uh of, of the brings out the haters stay with us everyone we're talking to pop dibiase my main man jamil we'll come back right after this follow us on twitter at voice america trn get the lowdown on guests new shows and your favorites that's voice america trn want to play the ponies and win at Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Inglehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. 
This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back talking to Pop DiBiase. You could catch all of his handicapping and great work at primewavemedia.net. Check him out on Twitter. Oh, jump in. No, no, no. Website is down right now. We'll we'll let you know when the website is back up. Just catch me on the Twitter, and then my shows are daily on YouTube as well too. And then you can get me on the Instagram as well. There you go. Yeah, I'm sure yep, it'll yep. come back Sorry, live bigger and better than ever. No, yeah, no, it's all good. I'm glad you said that. Glad yeah, because I gotta because I'm separating websites. We're gonna because. You have to understand my my sports betting situation is actually called Primetime Sports Investors. Prime Wave Media is actually my media content shows like that. The, when I do my little event, when I go to events and things like that, that's what that's for. So we're breaking up the sites right now. So that's what I'm working on. So that's why that, I just want to break that down for you real quick. Coming back bigger and better than ever before. Ever. I love it, Pop. Right. So before we the still here, we still oh, here. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. We ain't before nowhere. we went to commercial break, we were talking about. Uh, the comments that Grant Hill had made about LeBron James, he said that n- no NBA player has ever gotten more hatred and vitriol and nasty comments thrown his way than LeBron James. I was kind of making the point that Jordan could do no wrong. Now, keep in mind, Jordan, not only was he the ultimate capitalist, he wouldn't go there in terms of politics at all. Right. He even infamously made the comment that uh, he's not going to go there because Republicans buy my shoes, too. So he made it very clear that he didn't want to get involved in those type of things. And let's be honest, he probably rubbed shoulders with a lot of those guys all day long anyways. So uh, but he also was involved in gambling. His father's death. Leaving the game, going to play baseball, coming back to basketball. He gave a lot of ammunition. So did Kobe with the rape allegations and a trial that was on TV. All these guys gave ammunition. And even though Kobe was maybe the most hated basketball player for a long time, he was also the most respected player. Like people, when they talk crap, we're talking about his selfishness on the court. But they didn't attack him personally almost ever, even though, again, he gave a lot of content and reason to, right? Shaq, always been beloved, huge, giant teddy bear. Right. Even though he gets his sheriff license and he aligns with the blue and all those type of things. But now we get to LeBron pop and regardless of his scoring, of his winning, of his records, of his philanthropy, he's kind of deemed like an enemy from a lot of people. I kind of think that there's two reasons for it pop. I think one was his, the decision when he, televised that event with Jim Gray to go to Miami. I think that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, even though it was sponsoring the Boy Scouts and all the proceeds from the telecast were going to go to something good. But the event in of itself wasn't well received by the general public. The other thing is his aligning with, with China and basically being a puppet of China and speaking out politically a lot more maybe than some of those other guys. Those are my reasons but I know you kind of want to go the direction of social media and stuff. What, what's your take on this? 
Well, really, since now, since now, since you said something about it, let me just go ahead and quick just references on all the players that you mentioned before okay. LeBron. I okay. would say this about Shaq. Shaq used to get it real bad from Bill Plasky. Bill Plasky hated Shaq. So if you read the L.A. Times, go back. If anybody wants to go back and see a Shaq hater for real who wanted to expose everything Shaq was doing all the time, his name was Bill Plasky. And then when Kobe caught his case, Bill Plasky was literally calling for the hanging of Kobe Bryant. So they they didn't get the pass pass. They just got it to where it just gets swept up under the rug after a while. You know what I mean? And Jordan literally retired because of Chicago media constantly following him around, constantly breaking every single story that they possibly could. And then, you know, pretty much they were one of the first people to, you know, uh, kind of throw it out there that, you know, he had gambling debts before his father even got killed. So, you know, but that was a different time, a different day. And if those situations happen on social media, that would really that would break the Internet because everybody would have their 10 different exaggerated points about everything because this is scandal shit. You know what I mean? But I'm sorry. And let me refrain. Uh, this is scandal stuff. I'm sorry about that. And. <laughs> So pretty much when it comes down to LeBron, you're right. The I remember being on the Metro Link. I was working at Anaheim at the time. And he was making the decision. You know, the Lakers fresh off of uh, winning the championship. We The Lakers, you got to understand, that was a great time, Mike. When the Lakers won that uh, second championship against Boston, you know, the Phil and everybody's feeling good. The Lakers are in this position where we could possibly three-peat. And then LeBron comes and kind of dampers down on the Lakers' recent back-to-back against the rival, comes out, and I remember everybody literally, when he said Miami, everybody said, why would he do that? What would he do that for? And why would he do-do-do-do-do-do-do? And I told myself, and I said, and I was really mad about it probably the first 24 hours. But then I started doing the math and started putting everything together, and I said, that move was genius, I said that was absolutely outstanding what you just did because you chose the best team to play on. You made a Yankee move. I said the Yankees been doing this for 100 years. What's everybody mad about? And pretty much the Miami Heat were the fortunate team. Now, if that would have been the New York Knicks, that would have been, oh, my God. The Knicks are the, oh, my God. They would have been, it would have been received well. But he went to South Beach little steamy South Beach where everybody gets to have fun in the little tax-free state. So that really made everybody mad. And, you know, everybody loved the misery of Cleveland. So they like, why would you just leave Cleveland like that? Look, my dad is from Cleveland. He moved away from that place almost, what, 50-some-odd years ago. Yeah, he goes back because he got a lot of family there, but he's never thought about moving back there. So pretty much, and he's beloved in that city. So pretty much the thing is, at the end of the day, LeBron left home because it was time to leave home. So yeah, but can I he, comment on that real fast, Pop? Yeah, because I'm going to push back on that a little bit because the NBA is a little, little bit different than the Yankees in basketball and, and baseball only because there's only five men on the court. And I'm going to take you back a little bit. You were probably really young for this, but during the 80s. One of the worst teams in the league was the San Antonio Spurs. They were the laughing stock of the NBA at that time. They always had one of the worst records in the league. But they had a number one draft pick 
and they used it on this guy uh, out of the military uh, forces, if you will, named David Robinson. And once they got him, he was able to turn that franchise around and make it an NBA champion, made it into a destination for players to want to go play if you wanted to get a ring, right? Hakeem Olajuwon over in Houston. Now, I get it. Those guys are centers. But my point is, I think in the NBA, we like to see a superstar drafted by a, a home team or drafted by a team, and the team that drafted him elevates, gets to the finals, wins championships. Not really, you know what, I'm going to take off and try to build an all-star team because I couldn't win, I couldn't get over the hump here. And I think that's a big part of it, Pop, because the NBA is just different like that. We like to see teams that draft the players make it all the way. That's how we gauge if you're a superstar. Michael Jordan did it. Larry Bird did it. Magic Johnson did it. David Robinson, like I mentioned, after David Robinson, even on the same team, uh, you had Tim Duncan. We didn't see LeBron do that with with Cleveland uh, in round one. But you got to understand, he didn't, I mean, at the end of the day, he did it as much as he could for Cleveland in that first seven-year stretch. It's not like he didn't overperform. And if you're not going to bring him any – if nobody wants to come up there and play with him, he has to go and play with – I'm telling you right now, Mike, he would have never won a championship if you just stayed in Cleveland. Like, literally, LeBron probably would have got hurt probably two seasons after that, and he probably would have just became a shell of himself. He'd have made a lot of money, been living in Akron board. But all in all, LeBron is an adventurous person. He's a part of the AAU era. And you know what? In AAU, they don't have no loyalty. You know what I mean? You play for this one team. You, you'll play for a team in Kentucky next year. You're good enough. You'll be playing for a team in California the next year because they'll make sure they can fly you on out there, make sure that you can go, come to every single tournament and put on a jersey. Now, I do understand that, you know, everybody wanted him to stay in Cleveland and play it out. We had, and you just named three major cities, Chicago, Los Angeles, and Boston. But those places are not Cleveland. Now, San Antonio is a good living because it's in Texas, and it's an army town, and they they own a little nice little community, and they'll make you feel comfortable. But I really think that the three guys you mentioned before, Magic was strapped down by a 20-year contract. Bird had a pretty lengthy contract as well, too. Hakeem wound up – Hakeem wanted to leave Houston multiple times, but they were able to pay him. That's the whole thing. And they were really – they at some points, they acted like they didn't want to pay him. So, you know, he did the he did the best he could, and, you know, he stuck it out, but they had to go get him some good players, though, at the same time, too. So I know that made a lot of people mad because it turned into a team that – Wow, man, like, why does it have to be like this? But I said the Knicks did the same. They they couldn't beat the Bulls, but the Knicks came up with something not on the same caliber, but they had a lot of really good players that they all went out and they went and traded for and they went and got and all this good stuff, and they still wound up losing to the Bulls. Uh, to the Bulls. So I really do feel like when LeBron made that move, yeah, it pissed off a lot of people, but it was the – Right move for him at the right time. If he wanted to go play with the guy, if he wanted to be on a stellar level where he can bring more entertainment to the game, why not? You know what I mean? Now, the second reason why I think they really don't like LeBron is is because, like you said, well, let's. I'm going to just be honest with you, and this is going to be a really, really high tech. LeBron's not the sharpest 
Toolman uh, share, bro. He's he's high school educated. You know what I mean? And when you have a high school education, yeah, I know. But Kobe reads. But Kobe Kobe went back to school, got himself a diploma and everything too. Kobe has a degree from UCLA as well. Kobe went to summer school every single year. He didn't go out and party and go try to hang out with Jay Z and yeah, he he did that a little bit. But Kobe was really focused on his first years in the NBA. He didn't hang out with grown men. He hung out with his father. So that's different. LeBron, on the other hand, didn't have a father. Okay, so LeBron has always been hanging out with the Jay Z's and all these people of the world and all these people that that are so, I would say, conceited. You know, I mean, that that they think very highly of themselves and he's done all the right things for the community, all that good stuff, being a superhero and all that stuff. But he's just not smart enough to 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 talk about these type of things. He just wants to be somebody that said, he always asks is why can't we do it a certain way when the rules are right for the situation? He always wants to bend the rules in, in someone. How can somebody who didn't even attempt to go to college say that it's not fair for uh, it, that, you know, the, you have to have an NIL. Now you starting to see that the NIL is a little bit of a problem because some of these guys are getting it and they are, uh, are terrible players when they get to the school. And now they want to go, okay, now I got to go over to uh, Tennessee now since I, I couldn't get it right over at Miami. You know, you're just not good. You're not going to the NFL. You know, Mike's not going to call you. Mike's an agent. Mike's not in my, Mike and Amari got the report. Oh, well, we'll be sending him to the Johnny Manziel League. You know what I mean? So <laughs> at the end of the day, I just feel like you said that you hit it right on top of the head. Jordan was always smooth about it. He was smooth like a jazz player. And he never brought politics into the business. He never put people on notice. And I feel like a certain base is very offended by the way that LeBron approaches them. And LeBron has said some brass things about this, about this, this, this section of people as well, too. I don't want to bring up race, but Mike, you know what I'm saying? And that's where he keeps having this big problem at, is because LeBron talks too much. And He's lots of times he's talking out of the 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 end of the the end that tooted, so that's why a lot of people don't like him. You know what I mean? Because he's not very smart when it comes to being an educated person. A lot of people do his work for him, and you can tell. And yeah, it's good that you're talking about it and you're bringing it up, and that you are somewhat offended, but you're still rich. We don't see you over in the hood every day. We don't see you over here trying to fix Chicago. You don't do none of that. You sit at a, in a barber's chair and you think that you can you, you can fix the world from there. You can't fix the world from there. You know, so once again, it's somebody else talking on a high horse and people don't really want to hear that. They want you to go out there and entertain them on a basketball court. They didn't sign up for LeBron's thoughts. And that's why, you know, pretty much he always gets a very, very bad rap when it comes to, you know, fans always chastising them and talking about it. But other than that, I think LeBron is a beautiful uh, soul, man, when it comes to the way that he's approached things and the way that he gives back to the community. His philanthropy work is like second to none on what he's done. He's never been a selfish person. But I think that sometimes he doesn't think he's a selfish person when it comes to the people. But all in all, though, I think that he's being selfish right now by not retiring. Nobody should be held, holding on to the fa- being the face of the, the league this long. 
Kareem couldn't hold on for that long. Magic couldn't hold on for that long. Even Jordan on the second run wasn't the face of the league. The face of the league at that point was the was they had three faces in the league. Pretty much, it was Shaq, Kobe, and Iverson. And Jordan was just just they were doing they did the same thing they did for uh, Magic what they did for Jordan. Oh my God, just we got a legend back here and he's helping the young guys. You know what I mean? And that's all he could do. But all in all, I just don't think people respect LeBron's brain enough. And that's why they feel like, hey, you know what? Shut up. You know what I mean? Because when Kobe tell when Kobe would talk, run back a lot of Kobe stuff is deep, it's motivational, it's gonna help you move forward and be a, a more productive person. When you talk to LeBron, it's always laughs and giggles and what's going on on the Internet and social media. And then he repeats something else somebody else said. And then he gets offended off of who else got offended off of something. And then sometimes you never even go and look into the facts. And then you start going into your own little tirade. And then you piss people off because you're not doing the whole the whole you're not taking all the proper steps. And that's where I'm going to end that at. I think you actually nailed it right there because when you were talking, I was just thinking one of the things that he does is he kind of he doesn't really think for himself uh, in many instances. He kind of goes with the sheep, the herd mentality. Right. So and and he's ended up on the wrong side of of certain positions, especially maybe politically or, you know, maybe about mask wearing or this or that. Whatever the sheep, whatever, however we're indoctrinated, he jumps in on that, doesn't really think for his own, and he will, you know, like you said, have have a social media tirade and jump on an issue, and a lot of times he ends up on the wrong side of the issue, and I think that's to his detriment. I think you're right. He probably does talk too much. So, Pop, I know you got to check out, right? I stick around. We, okay, we didn't already made it this far. It's only twenty more minutes. There you go. I'm glad that you could uh, stay with us. We're gonna come back. We'll talk for a couple moments about Tyreek Hill's uh, comments. Uh, what would you think if you're Mahomes? It's, should this uh, butter up to a little bit in the Miami Dolphins? We'll talk a little Dodger Padres. Stay with us, everyone. You don't want to miss it. We'll be back right after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. 
Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to Mike at the Mike Show.com. Now, back to this week's program. The hottest teams in baseball right now are the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Braves, winners of 14 in a row, and the Padres, who have finally overtaken the Dodgers. We're going to talk about his beloved Dodger Blue uh, second-place team in a quick moment because I know he's going to have some – he's going to be fired up to, uh, to push back on, on, on the Padres. But before we get there, Pop, I just wanted to get your quick thoughts on Tyreek Hill's comments. He basically, in sum, made two comments that got a little uh, attention. First one was he felt that he was really underutilized uh, under Andy Reid and in the, in the Chiefs system. The second thing is that he said that Tua is a more accurate passer than Patrick Mahomes. And I, I almost can't say that with a straight face. I kind of chuckle a little, little bit. But, you know, when I hear that, I'm kind of thinking, well, maybe he just wants to make – to help build this quarterback's confidence and make him feel good. If, if, if the comparison is to an all-time great, like Patrick Mahomes, a Super Bowl champion, you know, um, a quarterback of, of all ages type of guy, then th- if this is what lifts up my guy, it's like Terrell Owens. That's my quarterback, man, right, type mentality. I get it. I get it. He probably didn't need to go back in time and talk about the Chiefs and Andy Reid. I mean, they did win a Super Bowl together. They had a great run together. And let's face it, teams were totally keying in on on uh, Tyreek Hill, which I'm sure Kelsey benefited from and, and maybe some of the other receivers and backs benefited from. But it's not because they didn't want to go to him. You know, I think that teams really keyed in on, on the cheetah. But what's your thoughts on uh, Tyreek Hill's comments? I think what you just said, Mike, he's just trying to boost his quarterback's confidence. But at the same time, too, you know what? He's just going ahead and speaking his mind because he didn't like Andy Reid the last two seasons. And you know that, Mike. He didn't. You know what I mean? When they lost the Super Bowl against Tampa Bay, he wasn't feeling them then. And he definitely wasn't feeling them at points last year as well, too, keeping them out of games, keeping them out of certain spots where he should have been in the game and things of that nature. But I thought that him leaving the Chiefs is the most key part of the Chiefs' offense being great. And I know that's why he's over there, you know, saying he was underutilized, things of that nature, pretty much saying that y'all ain't going to be that good without me, even if you think you're going to be that good without me. And I think when he says that Tua is more accurate than Mahomes, what he's trying to say is that he's going to he's more patient than Mahomes. Mahomes is so stellar, so good at playing a quarterback position that he can do things that other quarterbacks just can't get away with. And I think that 
Tua is an ultimate game manager, so he's able to make those Russell Wilson type throws in the in in the. I know we haven't seen him make any deep throws, but I know that he's able to make those those clutch throws. I'm just thinking about how he was at Alabama, and I know that's what he's looking at as well too. Because I looked at Tua's form, and it's not that bad, but you know we it's just that Patrick Mahomes is six five, you know what I mean, and he has a cannon. So it's not going to be – it's hard to compare both of them and say he's more accurate. But I think that's to, to get people more confident to it. That's, that's more for the fan base, and that's more of him saying that I got your back, and I think that you're going to do very well in this league, and our chemistry is going to be way better than the chemistry that we had with the other guy. You know what I mean? Because I really do feel like Patrick Mahomes did sabotage his own team. Several times last season and in the conference uh, championship as well, too. So I know he pretty much is happy to not even be there anymore with him because I know everybody's not going to feel me now, but we'll be talking about it in about the next four months. But I'm going to tell you right now, I think that the uh, glass slipper is shattered for old Patrick Mahomes. I think that he, the Cinderella, I think Cinderella got to the party a little bit to the ball, a little bit too early for, for himself. And I think that, uh, everything is downhill from here. To be well, honest. I'll tell you this. Um, what, one thing, one thing that doesn't get talked about too much is, is, is their backgrounds. And when I look at Patrick Mahomes, I see something that Peyton Manning had, which is they each had fathers, who are pro ball players. Now, obviously Patrick's was in baseball and, and Peyton's was uh, not just in football, but the same position. But I think that goes a long ways into, uh, you know, helping these guys have that mentality, uh, not allowing the pressure get to them. They've kind of seen it all before. They've, they've seen the cycles before they were almost like, like not groomed necessarily, but they have it in their veins. They've already lived through it before. And once you get that experience, I think you can take some aspects of, uh, of, of your upbringing and apply it to your craft and do it so well. Russell Wilson, I think those years of minor league baseball, people forget he was a two-sport star. But his minor league baseball years, I think those helped him and set, set up things for his future as well so i just wanted to mention that backgrounds i think play a large part in it and it's not necessarily discussed very often maybe a little bit overlooked very underrated aspect of these guys their mental part of the game and that has a lot to do with their history you know what i mean yeah yeah i feel you i feel you i just feel like though that's when we can stop, though, that they both have pro daddies. Their approach is the same. I think the, my pre, the biggest thing with Mahomes is is the difference. When you saw Peyton out there, Peyton was like a, a general on the battlefield in a war. When I see Mahomes out there, sometimes I see a very confused person who's over there fidgety, looking for his dad to throw out the right plays to him. You <laughs> know what I mean? Or looking for, looking for help from his dad. And that's Andy Reid. You know what I mean? I know his dad's Pat Mahomes, but his NFL daddy at this point is Andy Reid. And I just, you know, and then, you know, when did we hear about Peyton's wife ever? You wouldn't even know if the guy was married and had kids. Man, you hear about Mahomes' wife every other day. And then every time they go out, you see a guy who's pretty frustrated with what's going on in that situation as well, too. You know what I mean? And I I know I'm getting a little TMZ stuff, but this does affect your game. Like, it does. You know what I mean? And 
Yeah, it seems I like his wife and his, and his brother. I'm just, yeah. I'm just gonna keep it like that. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, you make sense. Right? His half, wife and his brother bring a lot of unnecessary attention to the family. Right. Totally agree right. with you on that. And Peyton right. was a general. See, Peyton was his hero, his quarterback hero, aside from his father, of course, was Dan Marino. So right. he kind of had a different type of quarterback mentality going into the league. He's more of the old school drop back passer. I think it a was. lot of these guys post Michael Vick, they're the new generation of quarterbacks. They're the guys where tucking the ball and running is uh, not just acceptable, but it's actually a central part of your game, like Josh Allen, like many others. Russell Wills, a lot of these, most quarterbacks, I would say that have come pre Michael Vick, post Michael Vick, you'll know what kind of quarterback they are just based on the time period. Even their athleticism is different. The type of players that they, uh, before it used to be the shortstop from baseball was also the quarterback on high school team. And that was the guy that they were looking for. You know, Montana played shortstop Marino, John Elway actually was drafted by the Yankees as a pitcher and, and, and was a great shortstop. Now I think they look more for maybe like center fielders, right? Fast, athletic, Patrick Mahomes type, Michael Vick type, Russell Wilson type, Josh Allen type, on and on and on. So he may be also kind of, uh, I don't want to say plagued, but I mean, he, the expectation, the utilization, they're all different for these type of quarterbacks today. I didn't necessarily want to spend this much time on the quarterback position. We have plenty of months to do that ahead of us, but I did find Tyreek Hill's comments to be a little bit interesting. I would have uh, maybe stopped at the uh, Tua, the buttering up Tua, the trying to propel him. I wouldn't have probably gone back in time and talked any crap about the Chiefs because they had a good time there. And I'll tell you what, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid were both asked about it. They took the high road. I wouldn't expect anything different. They're pros, pros. They both basically reiterated how much they loved Tyree Kill. They love Tyree Kill and how he was a great teammate and a competitor. And they left it at that, man. So I'm good with that. I think it's an interesting conversation, you know, when when there's not a lot of NFL news to be able to talk about something like this. You feel me? Right. But I'm just going to end it with this real quick. OK. Patrick Mahomes is just Josh Freeman with an extended career. They got they had the same makings coming out of college. Same exact ones. The same type of uh, credentials, too. It's just one was coached by a rookie head coach. And one was coached by a veteran head coach. I'm done. I, uh, I'll, I'll take Mahomes. You, you'll take Josh Allen. We'll see where it heads. Um, I think I you make a Josh Freeman. You don't remember Josh? Freeman oh, Freeman. Excuse me. I thought you meant Josh Allen. Oh yeah. The, of course. Yeah. The best quarterback in football is Justin Herbert. Best young quarterback. Let's stop playing. The best quarterback plays for the Chargers. I hate to say it. Okay. All right. Uh, let's it's talk. hard to argue. Right, but let's get into the baseball. I, and by I, the way, that division is, is hot, man, with quarterbacks. Carr, Russell Wilson, Mahomes, uh, uh, and, and obviously your man there in L.A. with the Chargers. I think that this is going to be a really fun division to watch, and we're going to see who's the better of them because they're going to get to duke it out against each other uh, round-robin style two times apiece. So that's going to be a whole hell of a lot of fun in the AFC yes, West, man. I'm sir. definitely looking forward to that. Yes, but before we get sir. there, we got the boys of summer. 
right? We got the boys over there in Brooklyn and out here with the Dodgers. As I mentioned before, the hottest teams right now are the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Braves. They've won 14 in a row. That's impressive in baseball, of course. And then the Padres. Now, the Dodgers, we only have a few minutes here, but when you were last on, they were coming off of a sweep against the Pirates. Now, we could have both agreed that they were probably looking ahead. What's more problematic is that they went to San Francisco and got swept against their hated rival, right? So now they're in a position where they're, uh, they're not playing great ball. They're in second place. But here's the interesting thing about them. Their best two pitchers aren't Walker Bueller and Clayton Kershaw this year. Their best two pitchers are a guy who almost threw a no-hitter last year, who's kind of a journeyman, or last year, last night, who's kind of a journeyman uh, in, in Anderson and uh, Gonsolin. Been, those have been the best two pitchers. They're both 8-0 this year. Walker Buehler hasn't been that great this year. Clayton Kershaw has been good when he's played, but he's been hurt. What say you about the Dodgers? Well, this doesn't get mentioned, but like the last three years, the Dodgers have got the best ERA in baseball overall, meaning starting, middle relief, and even dealing with Kelly Jansen. And so pretty much the Dodgers pitching is always going to be on point, in my opinion. They always they don't bring in just let's bring in a guy that we got a flyer on. No, the guy got some good stuff and we got the coaches that can get the good stuff about him. You know what I mean? And then when you have that lineup behind you, you're going to be very confident when you touch and get them out. Because, you know, if you're over here throwing uh, lemons and it's getting boinked, you're either going to be back down in Albuquerque or you're going to be off the team. And you want to keep playing for the Dodgers. The Dodgers are a much better option at this point right now than, say, the Washington Nationals. <laughs> you feel me, Mike? So, you know, pretty much you got to look at where you're at. And you want to stick around. But – um. Yeah, the Dodgers pitching. You know, Kershaw has been great. He's just been hurt. Like literally, Kershaw has been Kershaw. Walker Bueller is kind of dealing with the I didn't got paid. I'm comfortable. Kind of running into the same issues that Chad Billingsley ran into. Um, at the same point when he got paid. You yeah, that's I mean? a, so, that's a good comp, uh, uh, Pop. Unfortunately, my man Aaron is telling me we got to wrap things up here. Okay. So we're going to have to bring you on again and maybe allocate a little bit more time to some baseball talk, a sport that both you and yeah, I love. And I know you can break down. Way too much time on Tyree Hill. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we, and we, I know you can break down the Dodgers. Yeah, man. Uh, you can break down the Dodgers like no other. So as always, man, thank you very much. Check him out on Twitter or Instagram, PopDiBiase. Appreciate it, my man. Thank you to all the listeners out there. Without you, there's no show. We will see you same time, same place next week. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone. And big congratulations to Mo Donegal winning the Belmont Stakes. Have a good one. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.